0: the nifty show and welcome once again to the show about nfts digital collectibles web3 metaverse play and earn and uh, the future basically i'm joel Com. this is the nifty show and today we are going to speak with somebody who is an expert in the arena of nfts because he's had the opportunity with the companies that he's with to observe the behaviors and the trends in a very intimate way. Uh, You might be going, well, who's got the most intimate view of NFTs? How about the people that are storing the actual NFTs themselves? Now, you may have heard us on Bad Crypto talk about Filecoin, Filecoin.io is the site, a decentralized storage network designed to store humanity's most important information. We have with us Jonathan Victor, who is the head of NFTs at Filecoin, to talk about all of these things, the trends we've seen in NFTs and what usage is like right now and what the future looks like. Jonathan, the man with two first names, welcome to The Nifty Show.
1: Hey, thanks for having me.
0: Yeah. They say never trust a person with two first names, but I trust you. You look trustworthy.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, glad I I got a buy.
0: (laughs) Give us a a little bit of your background here and and how did you come to work for Filecoin and become the head of NFTs?
1: Yeah, I mean, so I joined Protocol Labs maybe three years and some change ago. Um, I came from outside of the Web3 space, uh, but around 2016, ETHEREUM was doing its first big run up. I had a bunch of friends who were very smart that were very into ETHEREUM, even though they lost a bunch of money in the DAO hack. Um, but it was because of them that I was like, all right, I gotta understand what is everyone else getting so excited about ended up spending a lot of time just like listening to talks, reading white papers, And that's how I first came across IPFS. Um, So at the time smart contracts, I sort of got like, okay, there's this unique thing that you can do, but what will they be useful for? That was a big open question for me. Um, But IPFS uh, stands for the interplanetary file system that clicked a little bit more just because yeah, the use cases for IPFS map a little bit more closely to how we think about the web today. There was a bunch of stories not long after uh, Turkey had a ban on Wikipedia. Uh, You had folks in Catalonia trying to do a vote about like a referendum for their own independence. You had Puerto Rico get hit by a hurricane and Google was trying to save the internet with like those weather balloons beaming down 2G speeds. And like all of those are problems that sort of come out when you have uh, sort of like a more centralized web and IPFS is an answer to those questions. Um, So fast forward to 2019, I'd been uh, interested in the space for quite a while, had been at my last job for a bit. And that was sort of when I made the hop. Um, but then inside of the IPFS of Alcoin ecosystems I bounced around, I used to work on Alcoin's proofs as a research PM, worked on the product team to help launch things like NFT storage, and then realizing that part of the problem here isn't just a technical problem. It's also sort of an awareness problem um, and trying to understand, like, what are developers trying to do with NFTs? Uh, we went from, like, CryptoKitties and people trying to just do JPEGs to people trying to do things much more expansive. There's whole, like, metaverse worlds now that are NFTs. And so thinking much more about if we really want to support all the different types of use cases that people have for NFTs, really thinking deeply about what does the Web3 stack actually need to enable to make that possible. Mm. Um, so, yeah, that's uh, where I spend most of my time today.
0: So you guys um, launched your own uh, decentralized NFT storage and the website is nft.storage and it is all based on IPFS and Filecoin. Well, let's uh, understand here for uh, for our listeners and viewers. When we talk about putting an an image or a movie or a document on IPFS, that makes it so it's decentralized and can't be taken down by any third party. Is that correct? Sort of. Yeah,
1: so it's like Correct with like a slight little asterisk. Um, So the cool thing about IPFS is, and maybe it's easier to give it with a contrast. Normally when you talk about a file, let's say it's like some picture or some movie that we're talking about, if the link that you use is like a centralized one that goes to like johnsdropbox.com slash, I don't know, John's video one you're sort of implicitly assuming that I will always stay in possession of that domain or that like, I will keep that video in that exact same spot. I won't move it into a folder or anything else. Like that URL, you're hoping that that's always going to exist. And so of course, if anyone's been around the internet for a bit, you've seen links that you've clicked that have given you a 404 or taken you to the wrong thing. And that's like the problem that we're really trying to solve for. And so the thing that IPFS lets you do is it says, well, what if instead of saying, hey, I'm going to put in a reference to one person's specific computer and hope that one person keeps this video or picture, wherever it needs to be. If instead I can have a fingerprint of that picture or video, I can use that as like the global reference. And so anyone who's speaking IPFS, which could be my computer, it could be your computer, it could be a decentralized storage network, it could be anything. Anyone who's doing that can be a potential storage location for that data. Um, So what happens is people can store the data, they can serve the data, you can pay someone else to do it. If you're using Brave as an example, your browser natively has this as well. So like your computer through Brave may actually be serving content to other people as well. Um, but you get this sort of like magical thing where the data isn't living in one location. So you're not at the risk of that one person going away and deleting the data. Um, the thing IPFS doesn't do by itself is it doesn't give you the guarantee that whatever people who are serving it into the network are going to continue serving it into the network. And so that's where people usually work with like a pinning service, or maybe they'll like run their own infrastructure, they'll do it on their own computer, or they'll use a decentralized network like Filecoin, where you can just say like, hey, internet, please hold on to this data. And then the internet, in this case, will prove to the network or prove to everyone else on the network that this data is still available, still around, all of that good stuff.
0: Got it. So... NFT storage. And then you guys have some big names that are using it: Maker's Place, Magic Eden, of course, OpenSea, Rarible. Um, that's a lot of of NFTs that are being uploaded and um, and, and stored via Filecoin. So let's talk about what trends you're seeing in NFTs that really stick out to you. Like what's what's on its way out? What's on its way in?
1: yeah i mean it's interesting it's funny i've talked to a number of reporters who are just like web 3 folks trying to get a handle on the on like what's going on in NFT land and a lot of times they start with this premise of oh it's a bear market and so everything's down but it's interesting because like from our perspective we actually see way more growth uh i think we've recently crossed like 81 million nfts that are uploaded that's something like a 60 percent growth since like q1 and so, like, you're still seeing this, like, very j curvy shape of, like, builders creating more and more things as NFTs. I think even talking to builders, the thing that I see is folks thinking a little bit more expansively, while what we don't see as frequently, at least on the service level, is, like, folks who are building, like, larger games or metaverse things where you have smaller NFTs, there's a high volume that can come through those. And I see, think we see a lot more of those right now. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, from a builder side, we're still seeing quite a lot of growth of Yeah, people just creating more and more, uh, which is where, yeah, uh, I I do think it's interesting. Although we're in a bear market, I think a lot of like the headlines maybe change. But what we're actually seeing from like, what's happening from like the ground level is just like continued creation, continued investment. Uh, Yeah.
0: So, you know, the profile pictures were the the big rage, right? Profile pictures, NBA Top Shot, um, Nifty Gateway art. Those were like the things that were leading the way through the last bull run. Um, You know, do you think profile pictures are... On the way out or here to stay with just more utility um, is you know NBA Top Shot ever going to see the glory days it once had or was that just the first initial hype cycle like what what comes next?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think there's ebbs and flows to all of these things, but I think the from first principles, a lot of the stuff uh, makes sense. Like, I do think this idea of online communities has been validated even before Web three, right? Like you could even look at Reddit as an example of this, where you have sub communities in a different form that just form and maintain. And there's like people who have status inside of there. And so I don't think this idea that like people will want to prove their sort of like membership in a community is going to go away. I think the manifestation might morph a bit from what, what do we see today? Is it going to just be more 10K PFP drops? Perhaps, perhaps not. But I think we will see more and more folks using like their profile picture as an NFT in order to sort of like... Signal to the rest of the world a thing that they want to communicate. Um, I think sort of along the same vein, we're seeing things like I don't know if you followed the poolies uh, situation, uh, the pool together NFTs. Um, maybe. maybe well, uh,
0: which Which situation?
1: Uh, pool together. So this is a DeFi protocol where um, it was like a no-loss lottery. Uh, the way that it worked is anyone can put money into the into the lottery, and then it puts the money into DeFi and uses the yield as the lottery. So okay. you can always withdraw your principal, but every like round someone wins all of the interest for I mean, everyone else who is putting money into this protocol. So like no loss lottery, right? Pretty cool. Um, there was someone who is a very big anti-crypto person who put money into this, withdrew their funds and then claimed they lost money because of gas fees. And no, it was gas fees on Polygon. So it's like 10 cents or something. Negligible. In the but they have like yeah. a whole, yeah, a whole lawsuit. It's like multi million dollars. And so the pulled together team basically Issued NFTs as a way of raising funds. Um, and so what was interesting is you got a whole community of folks who, including myself, who put money into the NFTs of like, yeah, I think this is a totally insane lawsuit. I think DeFi is important. And so I'm willing to contribute funds and prove that like this is a thing that matters to me. And in exchange for that, I get like a little NFT that I can now have. Um, and so what was interesting though is so that was actually like, quite successful. They funded the amount that they needed to raise. That was great. Um, but what was interesting was sort of the knock-on effect, where Lens, when they were doing their wait lists and saying, like, which community should we let in next, they bumped all the poolie holders up to say, like, if you want to mint your Lens handle for their social media thing, we want to support the people who are supporting other people, so the pull together holders can go first. Um, mm. And I think that's the sort of thing where we're probably going to see more and more of communities rewarding each other, and even just using that as a primitive, where we say, because you are a part of this community or because you took X action, I want to like reward you in some way or like enable you to do a thing. And I think that's like another manifestation of like, what do these primitives unlock? Um, So I think there, yeah, there's like quite a lot that we haven't really seen. I think as we get more and more cycles of this, it's not purely just like the first order of like who can mint what it's more now, like, what is that primitive actually enable you to also build downstream using that as an input to other stuff.
0: Okay, so I've logged into NFT storage uh, with my uh, with my GitHub account, and I'm just going to go in here, and uh, I'm going to grab um, this uh, Roboto's NFT that um, I was able to. It's not an NFT. It's a combined image because I own NFTs, and now I've got this is my IPFS CID that I'm looking at right here, right, so that when I put the image in somewhere, I just copy that, and now I've got it. Um, and it's, it's pinning it. Now, there are people that say, um, once you own an NFT, it, it's yours and nothing can happen. But if I sold this NFT, I can go in here and delete this. What happens to somebody who then owns that NFT?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. So NFT storage, one of the interesting aspects of it is there's a couple different layers Um, So in the IPFS side, uh, everything is still pinned and being like pushed around the web. Uh, What's more interesting is things are also getting pushed onto all of these storage providers, which are the Filecoin miners. In the case of NFT storage and anything that actually goes through NFT storage, uh, part of what we're doing is we're building uh, like a DAO behind it. Um, Our goal with NFT storage is to actually build the Internet archive for NFTs. Um, So later this year, Filecoin's launching smart contracts part of having this giant corpus of data is it's the perfect thing to start with of here is maybe by byte the most valuable data set in the world how do we build like smart contracts that perpetually enable folks to have that around Um, and just using Filecoin mining to enable that Um, so that's like one of the ways in which nft storage is slightly different from your traditional pinning service where it's not just saying like oh you are the one who's deleting it it's more like here is a public good that's actually funding the, the ongoing storage of this data using smart contracts and DeFi and things like that.
0: Let, let me be more direct then so I can get the answer that I'm looking for because I really am curious and don't know. The uh, The Board Ape Yacht Club is uploaded somewhere. Do you know where those images are stored?
1: Uh, I believe it's like across a bunch of IPFS nodes. Um, you can look at okay. the hash and see that it's a CID, yeah.
0: So if somebody goes into the original place it was uploaded and pinned and they go in and they do this action, delete file, does that mean that everybody's NFT is still like it It exists still or are they going to get broken images?
1: No, no, no. So I should be clear. The delete file here doesn't actually delete your file. Like all it does is it deletes it from your account. So your account is not like seeing it in there, but it's okay. still being pushed onto Filecoin and all these other places. Um, so even from like, remember when I was talking about what is an IPFS hash? An IPFS hash is just a piece of like a, like the, the fingerprint of the data. So it's not even specifying a specific location. It's just saying, here is a node that someone has or that like you can ask the internet for this data and get it back.
0: So there's um, no real so- way, in other words, a creator can't rug, if they're using IPFS, they can't rug a collection where all of a sudden the images are gone?
1: If you are using IPFS with something like Filecoin, the answer is no. Um, if you are just using IPFS and like, let's say you host it and you're the only one who's hosting it, then if no one else decides to like, also repin and serve the content, content might disappear. Um, but there's a number of ways that you can make that not happen. So way number one is if you have a Brave browser, you will be another resiliency source. Way number two, you could use something like NFT storage, which again, everything is just CIDs. So NFT storage is actually doing a giant crawl of all of the different chains to create this index. Rarible has done a lot of this work already, but working with folks like Holoplex 2, who's done this for the Solana ecosystem, there's folks in the Tezos ecosystem who have done it as well. And so you have CIDs, but CIDs don't actually imply anything about the data itself, uh, like and where it's being stored. But NFT storage is one way you can add resiliency. So way number one, mountain man, use your own infrastructure, Brave browser, IPFS node, you can do it that way. NFT storage is another public good, kind of like the internet archive that's doing it, which is another way. There's also ways that you can use other storage protocols. Storage has an IPFS integration. There's an IPFS to Arweave integration. All of these different storage networks, you can still have this canonical reference. And the beautiful thing about IPFS is it's not saying, oh, if in five years we discover some critical flaw and like the Filecoin network is gone, now your data is screwed the data is still referenced just by this IPFS hash. And the same is true if it was like the Arweave network or the storage network. Even if one of those things goes offline, having this, there's like a good blog post called Storage Layer Maximalism, which talks about this, where it's like, yeah, the beauty of an IPFS hash is it could work with things that aren't even storage networks. It could be like DNA that you write the data into or carve it into a diamond and throw that in the ocean or something. Like Mm -hmm. you can build literally all the resilience into the world with these things. Um, And so, yeah, when we talk about like most of these institutions that are like marketplaces that are enabling folks with IPFS, they're usually using a host of systems. So it's not just like, oh, we've given it to NFT storage That's the end of the story. They may be hosting their own copies. Other folks like the Internet Archive are doing their own crawls and things like that. So it's really like getting the totality of everyone on the Internet. who's like participating together with these things.
0: I am satisfied with that answer, Jonathan Victor. Well done. Good job. So let's talk a little bit about the so called metaverse. I've had my rants on the show multiple times how we're all using the word wrong. Um, there's only one metaverse. We're building a bunch of virtual worlds and individual verses. But regardless, NFTs are playing a role in this. So, what, you know, is this whole world of sandbox Decentraland and all of these projects, you know, other side, is that going to be the dominant? way that um, entertainment is, uh, that NFTs are adding value via entertainment here in the the near future?
1: That's a question. I think, so I guess like I have two thoughts on like the future of NFTs uh, and then there's one specifically around metaverses. Like I think NFTs more likely, one of the things that we're going to see is a trend of just more boring use cases for NFTs where it's just like NFTs as more like an ENS handle or like a lens handle, like things that are like they technically or even Uniswap your LP position as an NFT, like more utility versions of NFTs. I think that's gonna become much more prevalent as we're moving further and further of like, what are people doing with blockchains in general? Um, I think the other side that's kind of interesting is, yeah, inside of these experiences, one of the cool things, if you think of like crypto networks in general, people sometimes use tokens to bootstrap the infrastructure, and you could think of NFTs as a way of bootstrapping a community. Um, And I think that's going to be a powerful primitive, uh, especially when we start thinking about what are the different types of things people want to build. I think right now, a natural extension of that is like metaverses as we see them today. there's also sort of like the intersection with the real world and physical spaces as well um where we're probably going to see more of that as well nfts is like passes or like ways in which you can prove membership into a club things like that and i think it's going to be more of a hybrid um personally i think on the metaverse side we're still pretty early in terms of like what are all the different infrastructure pieces we need to build the really immersive experiences that people are expecting um and so i think we're going to see sort of like more targeted in between things between now and then um, about like how are NFTs there? But I think having NFTs as like a stepping stone to enable those things is really gonna come down to like the utility side and also sort of like the community building side.
0: Do you feel, um, you know, watching the space as closely as you do, uh, I think I know your answer beforehand, but this the last bull run of NFTs was huge. Um, do you feel like we've not seen anything yet?
1: Yeah. I mean, so I think the way that we'll know that we've really made it is when uh, the fact that something's an NFT is not the interesting feature. Um, I think we're still at this point where like, I don't know, you talk to my mom. Uh, she sort of gets NFTs. Not not really, but sort of. <laughs> and I think the moment that this just becomes much more natural, it's like if you go back and watch some of those YouTube videos of people trying to describe the internet, like Bill Gates talking to David Letterman, and he's trying to describe the internet and why you would listen to a baseball game over your computer versus a radio. and. Letterman's clearly not getting it. I think we are going to get to a point where that will seem as weird to like how we're talking about NFTs today, where like there will be a new generation of folks who understand this stuff much more natively. And so the discussions that we're having about like, oh, is it a JPEG, who owns what? Like those are gonna fall by the wayside because it'll be much more normalized. Um, And so I think that is going to be like, if I was to guess, it's gonna be like another big run at some point and then it will come down, but with a higher plateau of like, mm-hmm. we all just sort of accept that this is like a reasonable thing that we're doing. And there's reasons that we want public, open, interoperable standards for these digital objects that we all sort of like now have a ton of like infrastructure around.
0: So, you know, when we look at the technology adoption curve, we're definitely in early adoption for NFTs. Far yeah. you know, left of the S-curve. Right. Very, very far left. So when do you think we the the needle moves from the end of early adoption to the very beginning of mainstream adoption? If you were to project a year, uh, we're not going to hold you to it. You're not a financial advisor, yeah. but curious, when do you think that will we'll cross that Rubicon?
1: I look at like, what are the things that we need to unblock to really drive mainstream adoption? I think one part of it is not even the NFT side. It's actually much more on like wallets. Um, What we need are ways in which like the sharp edges, the thousand sharp edges that exist uh, do not uh, sort of impact uh, everyday users. And so, yeah, a lot of that's going to be wallet design that just makes it easier for people to do things like social recovery, not leaking seed phrases uh, through plain text. That would be good as well. Um, Like things like that. So people can feel like they can invest substantial amounts of money. And it's not just like the folks who get it it's like the average person who's just not a technology forward person um so to me that's like thing number one that's pretty big i think thing number two that's pretty equally large is sort of like the gas side of things especially in ethereum there's a lot that's coming out we're about to hit like the merge but then we'll have sharding soon after rollups will become mature i think those are critical parts of the story as well other ecosystems like solana polka dot flow avalanche all of them like folks who are all sort of separately trying to solve this problem, someone is going to get the right answer of like, how do we deliver an experience that meets the needs of users where like most users, there's an amount of money that they're okay paying for NFTs, but if it gets to like hundreds of dollars uh, per gas fee thing or like in a big drop that like massively, the network gets like orders of magnitude more expensive. Like that's not a world that the average user is okay with. Um, There's also a lot of people in our world who are not okay with it. So I think to me, getting to solutions on these core technical infrastructure parts, both on the wallets and sort of like the gas fee situation, those are sort of like the requirements to break through to mainstream. Because most, most people, they won't see the difference between Web 2 and Web 3. Like they will want all the benefits of NFTs, but they'll want it with none of the friction of Web 3. It's sure. It's they exactly they want
0: to like they pay with their credit card without understanding how the chip or the stripe works. And, you know, we get that. So I'm going to hold your feet to the fire here just for fun. Let let's a year. Give me a year. When do you think that we will have made those advances enough to go? We're talking one year, two years, five years, ten years.
1: I feel I'll give you like a confidence interval. Uh, I think with like ninety five percent inside of five years, probably like sixty seven percent inside of like two and a half.
0: And that would be if we saw some real major advances in the technology that, you know, basically what you're saying is the easy onboarding, the people where the people stop asking, you know, what is a non fungible token or what is blockchain, but it just becomes a part of, oh, I want this thing that gets me that thing. And it's digital.
1: I think so. And I think like the the nice thing is like the hardest parts are at the infrastructure layer where it's like getting like solving the gas thing and doing it at scale, like protocols are hard. Um, Actually building the wallets, although they're hard, it's much more like a product thing. And we're actually like, Web2 has answered a lot of product questions. So it gives me optimism that some of that friction is less hard to solve than figuring out like new core. like figuring out how do ZK rollups, like are they even mathematically feasible for like, or like engineering feasible. Um, So I think we are closer because some of the harder things, it's like, we don't, No, it's not like a question of, is the theory right? It's more like, can we go build it? And I think that's going to happen over time. And I think, to me, the engineering side on that stuff is the bigger question. Things like wallets, I feel pretty confident in the next couple of years, we're going to be substantially further ahead than where we are now.
0: Mm. Well, from uh, your lips to developers' ears, and we know they're working on it. Uh, Jonathan Victor. Filecoin NFTs. If you want to check out Filecoin, it is filecoin.io and nft.storage for free storage of your NFTs if you are a developer. Jonathan, thanks for coming on and sharing your thoughts today.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: Awesome. Hey, guys, uh, we've been using IPFS for a couple of years now for all of the NFTs we created on Wax. Um, Before I even knew about Filecoin, we were using Pinata, cloud where we've pinned um and now minted over a million and a half nfts and so the uh the future is decentralized friends and we will continue to bring you the latest web 3 content right here on this nifty show and until then keep it so nifty
1: looking into the future what do we see it's lined with digital collectibles we call them nfts Games, trading cards, digital art, and those crypto kitties. Joel and Zach are the hosts you'll know. Joel and Zach say this will blow. they locked and
0: loaded, so ready, set, go. It's the Nifty, really kind of spiffy, the Nifty Show.